to the north and west of the island and to what is now Wales and Scotland. But in their turn, the Anglo-Saxons were invaded in the 9th century. Vikings from Scandinavia destroyed all the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, except for Wessex in the southwest. Wessex was the springboard for an Anglo-Saxon revival. The Wessex dynasty reconquered the territory ruled by the Vikings, and this resulted in a unified kingdom for the people who became known as the English. Then, this English kingdom was, in its turn, conquered twice during the 11th century, first by the Danes, and then, famously, by the Normans in 1066. And for the next four centuries after the Norman conquest, England faced in two directions. It looked to the continent of Europe, especially France. France, for the English elite, was the source of high culture. And indeed, this contact with France had profound effects on English culture. But England also looked to the poorer parts of the island of Britain in the north and the west. And the English came to feel that these areas were naturally supposed to be subject to English domination. By the end of our period, England is no longer closely connected to France, but it has succeeded in dominating Wales and then Ireland. Under the Tudors, who take power in 1485, at the end of the dynastic struggle we know of as the War of the Roses, the English are poised to create one of the most successful nation states in the history of the world. The drive to dominate the island of Britain that begins during the Middle Ages, it ends up being a kind of dress rehearsal for the British Empire, the empire on which the sun never set. We're going to spend the next 36 lectures telling the story of all of these transformations. And I want to start by saying a little bit about why I think it's a good idea to learn about medieval England. The first reason is quite simply that this is a great story. It's filled with dramatic events. The Battle of Hastings in 1066. William, Duke of Normandy, becomes William the Conqueror. The murder of Thomas Becket in Canterbury Cathedral in 1170. This creates the most famous martyr of the Middle Ages, and it provides the justification for one of the greatest works of English literature, the Canterbury Tales. The showdown between Yorkists and Lancastrians at Bosworth Field in 1485. The tyrant King Richard III supposedly calls in vain for a horse, and he loses both his kingdom and his life. So we'll tell all these stories in this course. But why these stories and not others? Does medieval England matter for any other reason besides the fact that it's full of exciting battles and colorful personalities? Well, I would argue strongly that it does, especially if you live in an English-speaking society. You don't even have to be a citizen of that society, and you certainly don't have to be of English descent in any sort of narrow genealogical sense. You don't have to be English to benefit from knowing about medieval England. Many countries, not just the United States, owe a profound debt to medieval England. Canada, Australia, New Zealand, for example. And in a different sense, so do the cultures of countries that were profoundly affected by English colonization. For example, India and Pakistan, many countries in Africa and the Caribbean. And I want to give you just a few examples of this debt to medieval England. What do we owe to medieval England? People often say American society is very litigious. We like to sue each other. And we also take a lot of pride in our legal rights. We're not shy about insisting on them, whether it's the right to bear arms or the right to free speech. Now, this focus on the law 
as something positive, something that gives power to the individual, this is a direct legacy of medieval England. Let's think of an example. In our society, if we have a disagreement with a neighbor, we can settle it in court. We can sue them, take them to court. We don't have to do it ourselves. We don't have to fight the person to settle the dispute. And that access to a means of dispute resolution in a public court, that's the product of many centuries of development during the Middle Ages. Now, what if you're on the other end of the, of the problem? What if you are accused of a crime? The right to a criminal trial by one's peers. That was established during the struggle between King John and his barons that resulted in Magna Carta, the Great Charter, in 1215. So our modern legal system has very deep medieval English roots. And we simply can't understand why we have the rights that we do.